Hello and welcome to the Rivertown Story Corp, a podcast about the people making a difference in the Rivertown communities of Westchester, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Reuter. Today, we are pleased to have with us Greenberg Town Supervisor, Paul Feiner. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm going to start by asking you to tell us a bit about the town of Greenberg. To be a bit cheeky, why does Greenberg exist? Most people where I live think of themselves as being from the village of Hastings in the county of Westchester. What is this layer of government and what does it do for us? Okay, well, there's um, more layers of government um, in New York State than probably any place in, you know, in the nation. Um, mm -hmm. Half the town of Greenberg um, is a real municipality. So we have about 95,000 people living in the town. And for half of the people, we provide all the basic, you know, services, garbage, um, police, um, sanitation, uh, snow removal. We have a water department. Um, uh, we have parks. We have many, many, um, you know, services. For the other half of the town, uh, the town um, only provides very, very limited, um, you know, services. So, say for the village of um, Hastings or Dupps Ferry or your Irvington, um, Tarrytown, um, Elmsford, um, Ardsley, um, only two percent of your tax dollars actually goes to the town. Um, so we're really a collection agent. Um, we collect the taxes and. I see you're smiling, but uh, most people don't smile when I mention that we collect the taxes. <laughs> um, we have an assessor that does the assessments, um, you know, for um, for the town. Um, the the villages used to have their own assessor, and um, and the town had a separate assessor. And a number of years ago, um, we combined that, so the town does, you know, all all that. Um, we um, basically guarantee the school district 100% of the taxes, whether it's collected or not. So if you decide that you don't wanna pay the taxes to the school district or the county, we have to send them a check and they're 100% whole. On the other hand, if you don't pay it, uh, we, get to, um, we get the penalties and the interest and eventually could foreclose on the property. Um, in fact, a number of years ago, we turned um, um, an abandoned um, property on um, in Hastings um, into on Warburton into an affordable housing, you know, complex. Mm -hmm. We also um, did the same thing at the water wheel. Um, in uh, that that was an abandoned um, property that was foreclosed um, in Ardsley. It was a water wheel. It was a um, a restaurant, and now it's affordable, you know, housing. Um, the town um, um, has a SWAT team. Uh, we have civil defense. Um, the SWAT team, if God forbid there was a terrorist incident, our, um, uh, you know, our police um, are able to provide protection and deal with these uh, types of emergencies. We have a Meals and Wheels program. Uh, we have nutrition programs for the elderly. That's done by the town. We have programs for uh, the disabled, um, uh, special recreation for, for the disabled. That's uh, some a service that we offer, uh, uh, you know, the villages. You know, I mentioned civil uh, defense. We 
paint lines um, and you know for you know for the villages you know on on the roads. So there's a, a bunch of uh, you know small uh, little services that we offer you know offer uh, uh, the villages. And I guess you know I mean I I could ask the question in the opposite direction, you know not to get too far into hypotheticals, but why have the villages, right? Wouldn't it be more efficient to have this large administrative effort at the 100,000 person level rather than having all of this subdivision of different school districts and and so forth? You know, um, actually, ideally, it's there's too much uh, duplication and it would be more efficient if you didn't have um, all the different layers of government, but people feel, you know, my guess is that most people like having local government uh, because they feel more connected to local government. Um, so they don't want to have a large community doing their zoning because, for example, the Hastings waterfront, the people in Hastings would feel that, um, you know, if there would be a large development, a larger municipality may not be um, as um, responsive to your know, neighborhood uh, concerns. A number of years ago, um, um, a former Dobbs Ferry police chief recommended um, that the town of Greenberg take over police dispatching mm -hmm. um, between midnight and 6 a.m. Now, I thought that was motherhood and apple pie, um, mm -hmm. but it turned out that um, the residents almost uh, threw the mayor out of office uh, because they were so upset about that. And it really made sense because the town of Greenberg um, between midnight and 6 a.m. Uh, could, could easily take over the dispatching. Um, it wouldn't impact the, I mean, the Dubsary police would have had um, an extra police officer that could have been patrolling the streets uh, or they could have had one less officer and it could have saved money and people objected to it. Um, another example of um, taxpayer dollars possibly being wasted is um, we have the residents of the, the villages all pay for the town court, mm -hmm. but you have your separate court. Yes. Um, so you have a village court and you're paying for a town court. And the t so the thing is, why have two courts when you could have just one um right. you're paying for one so you might but you're you're paying for the duplication well i i mean the the people of dobbs ferry couldn't possibly understand the the cultural uh differences that we have over here in hastings on hudson i mean they're they're too far away and too different anyway i'm being uh, and i remember when i lived in hastings um one year um um there was an issue in um, in Hastings where they were looking at um, consolidating, you know, combining or sharing services um, with the Dobbsford School District. This was probably in the late eighties. I were you? I don't know if you were. I'm, I'm a relatively recent uh, okay. resident here. And somebody ran unopposed for a school board, and guess what happened? They lost. Wow. <laughs> and I remember when I was voting, I I got to the polls at a quarter of um, like nine. And I think the line was like over an hour long 
I didn't vote until close to 11 o'clock at night because they, if you got online before nine, they let you vote. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's, um, you know, one of the services that, you know, that I basically, you know, I mean, I, I think that there should be more consolidation, more, more mm -hmm. sharing. There, yeah, we have like a village officials um, group that meets with the town um, mm -hmm. uh, periodically. And yeah, you know, sometimes there's shared, there's some shared services, but you know, obviously not a lot, not enough, I think. So the, this topic of local control is gonna be one that we, we come back to uh, multiple times in this discussion. But before we go there, I, I'd love to just get broadly your perspective on what do you see as the biggest challenges and opportunities right now in the Greenberg area? Well, I've been focusing a lot of time on pedestrian safety issues. Mm -hmm. um, we've been building a lot of new, um, constructing a lot of new sidewalks all over, all over unincorporated Greenberg, which you know I have control. I think um, safety, pedestrian safety, is a big issue. If you look at the River Villages, we had a fatality in Dobbs Ferry. Um, you know, a pedestrian, you know, got killed. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not enough sidewalks. Um, and I also feel that, so I think pedestrian safety to me is is one issue. I feel um, the condition of some of the roads is pretty bad. Um, so, yes. um, you know, I feel New York State does not maintain the roads that they own. And when people go on Broadway, um, they may think that this is, you know, a local village responsibility, but it's the state. And there's so many potholes and craters, and I feel New York State has to provide, you know, more funding uh, so they can maintain the road conditions. You know, that's another issue that you know I'm, you know, con concerned about. Um, you know, I think that the governor has proposed uh, that the state have the ability to overrule overrule uh, local zoning, and that would change the character of um, of all the villages, um, you know, everybody recognizes that we need more affordable housing, but nobody, but most people that I know, um, object to um, the state taking over and overruling local, yeah. you know, local gov local governments. I've suggested, and I've written to the governor and our state state legislators. I suggested that the state um, provide incentives. So if a community uh, builds more affordable housing, I think that they should be eligible uh, to receive more state aid. They don't build affordable housing or housing in their areas, they would get less state aid or possibly no state aid. Um, I also thought that um, the state should, you know, perhaps let, um, perhaps give incentives to residents. A number of years ago, when Andrew Cuomo was um, governor, uh, the state um, came up with a property tax cap, which limited the the amount of taxes that villages could, and school districts could charge. And communities that complied with the tax cap, everybody got a rebate check from the state. So they got the star, you know, checks. And I thought they could do something similar um, with um, with affordable housing, where if you live in a community that's building um, that meets their quotas, uh, that everybody living in the community would, would get 
a check from the state. Um, so instead of being NIMBY, it would be YIMBY, yes, in my backyard rather than uh, not in my backyard. And again, you know, I, I really believe that if government doesn't impose, but if they, you know, work with residents and work with the communities, I think in most cases people are, um, are responsive and it will be reasonable. No, it's it's great to get your your perspective on the New York State Housing Compact, which I did want to talk about. And I guess, you know, I don't know how much you've looked at other areas. My sense is that without some sticks, communities generally don't want to change. And of course, the places with the highest cost of living are the ones who are least likely to be motivated by you know, some smaller amount of money to change their character. So do you think we can really build additional housing on the scale needed while still maintaining the kind of local control that we have right now? Isn't local control a big part of the reason why more housing hasn't been built? Essentially, the only change I've seen discussed in Hastings seriously and in the other towns as well is accessory dwelling units, which really don't seem to add that much more housing. So, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate that you've offered some pretty concrete proposals there as to how to, to create the change. But I'd love to get your perspective on, do you think that that would be sufficient to create the new housing stock to really have an impact on prices? Um, I think that if there would be incentives, I think that communities would, um, you know, would basically uh, build more. You know, I think that most of the community, for example, Hastings, you know, it's a very progressive community. And I feel that um, uh, that people would support development um, of, of more housing. You know, we, we did the affordable housing on Warburton. Uh, there you have an active Hastings um um, affordable housing committee. Sue Smith has been very involved in this for, uh, you know, for years. I would rather try the carrot approach rather than the stick approach. And you know, if tr we try and it doesn't work, you could always go to Plan B. If you know after, but again, you know, when the county of Westchester had um, was involved in a lawsuit a number of years ago during you know Andy Spano's administration, um, there was a lawsuit and communities were told that they had to comply, you know, should comply, and everybody did. Greenberg was exempt from that lawsuit because we have done more than our fair share of um, affordable housing. So we were not, we were not one of, we were one of the few communities in Westchester that did not have, that, that was not required to build, you know, affordable mm -hmm. housing. But we've been building affordable housing, you know, for years, you know, and, um, and Greenberg is also uh, unique because before I got elected, the housing authority built some scatter sites in like upper middle class areas. So you have low income housing um, off Secret Road, right near million dollar homes. You have uh, affordable housing on um, North Washington Avenue, um, you know, in, in Hartsdale near very expensive condos. So you know, we have a, a bunch of scatter sites all over and, you know, people, I don't get that many complaints from residents. Right. 
And let's sort of look at the other side of the, the local control debate. You've been very involved in discussions around the possible incorporation of Edgemont and who should have a, a say in that decision. And I guess, you know, how would you frame the, the trade-offs there between sort of a, a smaller group of people being able to control their destiny versus the impact that has on the, the broader group that it's inside of? Well, this is without question the biggest issue, you know, facing the town um, because um, about 25% of our revenue comes from, you know, unincorporated, from, you know, Edgemont. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons why I'm concerned is if they have a referendum and only Edgemont people get to vote, um, the real impact is not going to be on Edgemont. The impact is going to be on the rest of, uh, you know, the town. And it's also going to be an impact on uh, the villages as well, because um, Edgemont is proposing that um, we um, transfer some of the funding, say, the Theater Young Community Center, uh, the Nature Center, uh, to the villages. The re they, they want residents of the villages to pay for things that they're not paying for right now. Um, um, All right. Um, um, so... Um, you know, now, you know, the concern that I have is we analyze their um, proposed proposals. And, you know, we've come to the conclusion that at the minimum, if they share services that they want to pay for, mm -hmm. the town will lose $5 million, five or $6 million under the mm -hmm. best case scenario. Worst case scenario is we could lose 11, 12, up to $19 million, you know, a year. Um, so, you know, I think that they may say they're going to be sharing, you know, uh, some services, but eventually, the, you know, let's say the county, the county police, let's say their contribution is, I'm just throwing out a number, say $5 million or whatever. They may uh, say, you know what, we're going to break away and we'll go with somebody else, Ardsley or the county unless you give it to us for $4 million. So everybody else in unincorporated Greenberg will be paying the fair price and they're gonna be trying to, um, you know, to get the town to give them discounts, which, you know, I would I would object mm -hmm. to, you know, I think they should pay whatever, if there's shared services, they shouldn't pay less. They probably should be paying a little bit more uh, but definitely, definitely not blessed. But if we basically don't um, agree to it, we could lose millions and millions of dollars, which will mean we could lose, we could lay off, we probably would have to lay off a minimum of 30 employees, maybe 50 employees, um, just for starters. So this is a real, real crisis. The other um, concern that I have about the Edmond, you know, incorporation is. Uh, is that other wealthy areas in the mm -hmm. town are going to want to do the same thing because you know i think one of the reasons why they want to break away is they don't want to be associated with the fairview section of town which is the lowest income uh you know neighborhood mm -hmm. so if they break away then you know the ardsley section of town may say why should we pay for it you know we'll break away or um, or Hartsdale, right. they've already talked about breaking away. So this is real. So the the area that gets most of the social services and the the pro where people really need the programs, they're going to be um, isolated. It will be like a Spring Valley, 
and um and you know i think this is really going to be devastating but you know again even with the you know the fact that it's going to mean that everybody in unincorporated greenberg is going to be impacted and i think the villages are also going to be impacted there's also other impacts some um, indirect impacts so let's say we have to lay off 30 people uh mm -hmm. that would mean we would probably have to lay off police you know we'll have to lay off people all over the town if they if they break away and let's say there's a, a major crime say in Ardsley or Dobsari or whatever we're going to have less police um and that means it will impact our um mutual aid uh, to the villages um so if there's a crisis right now you know we show up in you know in yeah in in minutes um um and if we have fewer people we're not going to be able to do that um so what i've suggested um is that everyone in unincorporated greenberg because those are the people really mainly impacted should be able to vote if there's a referendum so let the people of edgemont um vote let the people of unincorporated greenberg um you know participate in the vote and um and and i also think that if there is um an incorporation um you know effort uh there should be a detailed financial analysis and budget so people know what they're voting on and for or or against you know, which and, and my understanding really is that you yeah no i i understand what you're saying i've heard that you you've been trying to work with the westchester legislature to have a law passed or changed that would put in place what you're talking about here having all of on and I'd be interested to hear what has been the the response from the the legislature on that proposed change. Well, uh, this would require state legislation. Um, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, rather than county legislation uh, to let everybody vote, um, Andrea Stewart Cousins unfortunately doesn't want to introduce you know the legislation mm -hmm. um, that would let everybody vote. You know, as of as of now, uh, Mary Jane Shimsky also doesn't want to introduce uh, the legislation. You know, and I think that they're looking at this as a political, you know, issue. And I don't think that they've analyzed um, carefully how devastating this will be to the town. You know, long term uh, and short term, you know, I think it would be catastrophic. And I think it would it, it really would would result in significant um, quality of life disruptions, significant layoffs. Um, uh, at the best case you know edgemont would um you know would have some impacts but many of the residents in edgemont are, are wealthy so they might be able to afford a tax you know a, a larger you know tax increase but for the rest of the town you know it would be it would be much more uh difficult i've been um working with uh county legislator new county legislator david Memora, and um and um we're trying to get um the state to um do a financial study um, of the impacts because I could be saying on your podcast this is devastating, and some people will say, "Oh, maybe he's exaggerating," and people may not really believe it. So I feel that there's an independent um, study that the state right. would conduct. Um, then I th I think there'd be much more credibility. Now, my understanding is that what you've proposed is 
specific to Greenberg, um, and I assume you you did that for political expediency, but do you think actually, I mean, based on principle, that just the whole system that's currently in place for when people can make decide to incorporate should be changed? I think the state law should be changed. This is a hundred year old law. And, yeah. um, and you know, when they wrote the law, you know, the communities were basically farms. Um, and, you know, the villages that incorporated a hundred years ago, it was, you know, it was, it was totally different. Um, you know, I, I do think that um, the law should, should change. I think there's too many layers of government. This is the wrong trend. You know, at the beginning of this program, you were saying, yes. um, do we have too many layers of government? And now we're going to have another layer of government. And we may have more because once one community breaks away, other hamlets are going to break away. You know, if, um, if I said to um, um, our state legislators, um, oh, by the way, there's, there was an article that Fifth Avenue um, wants to break away from New York City um, because they don't want to pay for, um, um, for you know, the South Bronx. Uh, would, would the state legislature allow that? Probably, probably not. Or if the Upper West Side wants to, doesn't want to pay right. for Staten Island, they wouldn't let that happen. And again, this, this really, you know, uh, you know, trend or, you know, say Hastings on, um, you know, the people who are living on Villard, they decided that they want to, um, if they want to break away because they don't want to pay for, uh, uh, they want to, they don't want to have to pay for any services uh, for people who live on Warburton. Um, um, you, know, you know, it just couldn't be done that way. Right. And just to, to put a, a pin on this from a historical perspective, I, I assume these different layers of government sort of just arose as historical artifacts a bit. Which came first, the, the villages or Greenberg? How did this actually evolve? Just as I, a think, matter of I, fact? Think, uh, I think New York State created towns first mm -hmm. and then they created um, you know, the villages after, after that. Um, and then the villages incorporated, but there's also been incorporation um, efforts um, that where communities have dissolved in in, in Rockland last year, South Nyack dissolved mm -hmm. because it's very you know it's very expensive. Um, you know where do you put the the local jail? You know the police headquarters. Uh, where do you um, uh, right. uh, where do you um, uh, put your village hall, how much does it cost to uh, have all these additional uh, staff staffing? Um, and you know, Greenberg, I should mention that we were rated by Money Magazine as the eighth best place in the Northeast to live and um, just in January of this year. So it really is aggravating because to the rest of the world, Greenberg's a great place. And I think Greenberg's a great place. And you know, when I'm out at supermarkets, um, uh, talking to residents, you know, people are, the level of satisfaction is extremely high. So you you feel, uh, this is, everything is going really nicely. You know, we have a low crime rate. The services are good. When people have complaints, they get them answered. We make house calls to practically anyone who asks for it. If somebody does, can't come to town hall, we'll go to their home. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, a, a small group of people want to break away and it's going to disrupt everybody's life and quality of life. And yeah. the, you know, the problem with these elections is that people don't, you know, people really don't read the papers as much as they used to. They don't pay attention yeah. to the news. So a lot of these referendums, very few people uh, vote. 
And under the law, if uh, they collected um, a, a valid petition, there has to be a referendum within like 40 days. Uh, well, so yeah, yeah. so it's very quick. So the people who would vote are people who are active in like the social clubs and the schools. Right. And um, you know, they're friends of friends and they get invited to parties if they if they participate in the effort yeah. to uh, to break away. So, yeah, I think a lot of people who are going to vote on this are not don't even know what they're voting on because and, and there's actually... no budgets was something I wanted to ask you about, which is communicating with constituents here. I think, especially given that we're you know, very close to New York City, you have many people who are reading the New York Times on a daily basis, very few people reading the Rivertown Enterprise, is, is at least my observation. So how do you go about making sure people are aware of, of what's important here rather than just sort of focusing on the the larger population center that's adjacent well, to us. That's really the biggest um, you know challenge, I think, because it's very very hard to reach the voters. Yeah. Um. You know, I saw you at the Chicos. Yep. Now they kicked me out of the Chicos. They won't let me. Uh, they won't <laughs> let me uh, after after I I saw you. Um. Uh. The next day I went and um. They said I'm not allowed there anymore to talk to people or campaign or whatever that, that seems a little dangerous to be overly cruel to the town supervisor if you're within their jurisdiction but that anyway but, we but don't you know what? Talk about they don't want people to be bothered um mm -hmm. you know uh when they're going in the store but when you look at democracy um mm -hmm. if like for me most people know who i am mm -hmm. so it's very easy so like i'm I don't really have to go to supermarkets to reach people because they'll call me or whatever. But let's say somebody, let's say you decided to run against me mm -hmm. um, and you weren't able to uh, campaign outside supermarkets. Mm -hmm. How are you going to get known? How are you going to reach people? If you, if you, you would have to spend a fortune on mailings, people don't even uh, people, a lot of people don't, uh, you know, watch the local news anymore. Uh, they may not, you said not enough people read the, the local you know papers so it's really hard to reach people to connect with voters um so i think it's really very dangerous for democracy if all the if the supermarkets are going to say yeah you're not you're not welcome and yeah. you're not allowed on our property and if you sh if you show up we'll call the police and and force you to leave um so if, i would have never gotten elected to any office um, had I not been able to um, interact with people at, at supermarkets. And again, it's so much harder now because it used to be that the journal news um, would write a story and if it was negative, you know, everybody would be, you know, the people would be talking about it. Now, very few people read the, the journal news and most of the, the papers don't even have reporters that cover every meeting anymore. So, yeah. so there's not as much oversight. So people are getting their news from Facebook, from social media, and you know they they tend to talk to their friends who are on the same social media platforms rather than you know sometimes get unbiased you know new, yeah. you know news. That's why the Enterprise and the Hudson Independent uh, they're really really important. But it's again, it's a small group of people who are the most activists yeah. who are paying attention. I mean, I, I have concerns that actually it'd be quite easy to get away with 
corruption in the current environment. Not that I am in any way accusing anyone of that, but simply from the fact that when there's not that many people paying attention, you can certainly have more bad things. More people take advantage of the system, and I, I'm not quite sure how to change you're, that dynamic. You're 100% right. And when you're dealing with corruption, one of the thoughts that you know I'd like to mention, which I'm proud of, is I think Greenberg has probably the strongest ethics laws and I would predict in the world, um, um, because um, um, any in, since 2007, uh, we have an ethics law where every incumbent town official we're prohibited from taking campaign donations from uh, contractors who deal with the town, from consultants who deal with the town, from every employee who deals with it, who works for the town, um, from any developer uh, or applicant who has pending matters for the town. So when I run for re-election, um, if you know, the traditional donors can't give to me, um, is, which makes it very, very hard. You know, when I first got elected to town supervisor, you know, I would have a fundraiser for my re-election campaign mm -hmm. and um, I could raise $50,000. And I thought everybody liked me, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is that say, oh, by the way, uh, we'll come to you. We, we, we think you're so charismatic and, uh, and smart and, um, and would like to donate to your campaign. But then, yeah, they wanted something. Then we pass a law and instead of me being able to raise like $50,000, now when I have a fundraiser, I'm lucky you know, if I raise $8,000 or even right. less. Um, um, so, um, so now you know, everybody in Albany and the county, um, Washington, they don't have those rules. So, uh, so you know, if somebody has a birthday, they'll have a fundraiser and they'll raise a lot of money. Now, for me, our law has um, made it difficult for me to advance to higher office because you know I'm not able to raise the funds. Right. But at the same time, if a developer comes to me with a project, um, there's no I have no incentive to give them favor favorable treatment or unfavorable treatment. I do what I think is right. So I I personally think I'm I'm proud of the law. Um, even though yeah. it's had had a negative impact politically, but I, I feel that you know I, I feel good. You know, I think a lot of politicians, even you become legends in your own mind uh, mm -hmm. with all the fundraising, and you basically think you're you're great, and you you start believing you, the the press releases right. that you're writing, um, and you know you could be corrupt, and you don't even realize it. Because, you know, again, yeah. if, let's say the Hastings waterfront, um, mm -hmm. if you're um, if um, a developer showed up at a fundraiser um, and and then they want just like a, an extra story or two. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you you know, in the back of your mind, if you say no, that could be twenty thousand dollars of a campaign contribution you're not going to get. You, you may figure out a way of saying, oh, we need more more housing. I'm doing this for the right reason. When, when you're really doing it for the donations. Right. It, it doesn't even have to be an explicit quid pro quo for people to just sort of act in a certain way that, that leads to those kinds of results. And, and I think this point in the discussion is actually when I wanted to, to turn to talking a little bit more about, you know, 
you specifically. Perhaps could you tell us a bit about your journey to becoming town supervisor and what you've learned about leadership and community organizer as the longest serving chief uh, elected official of any municipality in Westchester County? Well, I started when I was in high school or junior high school. I got uh, the Bronx River Parkway, um, a bikeway on, on, the, on the Bronx River Parkway. Um, I got the county to close the, um, the Bronx River Parkway on Sundays uh, for bicyclists. And then I started the buses to New York City. So I've been active, you know, my whole, um, most of my, a good chunk of my, my life in, in public service. And I, I really, you know, love it. And what I like about this job is that every day is another challenge. I haven't been, even though I've been in office for 32 years, I haven't been bored for one second. And um, and when one of the nice things about being in, in the office for a long time is you could see things happening almost every single day. So right now uh, on North Washington Avenue, um, there's a sidewalk being built. I I did a, a walk with residents who asked for the sidewalk five years ago, but it, now that's a long time between when people want a sidewalk and when it's yeah. actually done, but it's actually happening. Um, for 30 years, I've asked for a sidewalk on West Hartsdale Avenue. And um, and that's that would connect people, enable people to walk from um, the Hartsdale train station uh, to the Greenberg Library, almost to the mm-hmm. Greenberg Library. And last year we got a five million dollar grant from Andrea Stewart Cousins, and um, from for that, and a one million dollar grant from uh, Congressman Mundia Jones. So uh, we were able to get funding, and a dream that I've had for like thirty years, um, you know, is actually happening. And this is really something that I'm so proud of and excited about because, you know, we're going to be able to make a whole chunk of the town pedestrian friendly. Um, which, you know, is really an enormous, you know, accomplishment. Uh, you know, when I pass the Greenberg Health Center and I see, you know, people, immigrants uh, going and getting help, uh, you know, I remember the battles because a lot of people didn't want it. And it took eight mm-hmm. years to get that health center, but I see how um, how happy people are, you know, with that. And now I'm working on um, flood control. Um, mm-hmm. mitigation. So we're putting in the capital budget every year money for f- uh, flood control. And um, and it's really exciting because we're actually making impacts on people's lives. So so I feel yep. that I'm really making a, a, a nice positive difference in, um, in people's quality of life. And, you know, I also spend a lot of time helping people one-on-one. Uh, the day yep. I saw you at the Chico's, um, again, before I got kicked out, um, there was a man who um, um, who lives in Irvington, and the U.S. Postal Service um, lost his passport, or the passport agency lost his passport, but he wants to go to Paris at the end of the month. So I've been working uh, with him and reaching out to all the congressional officials, trying to um, get his passport expedited. Now, if he hadn't seen me, he would have never even thought of contacting me, and you know, there's a chance that I should help. Um, a few years ago, I was able to get somebody out of Afghanistan, right? Uh, wow. As they were as they were escaping the Taliban, um, somebody um, mentioned it to me. Um, I um, was in touch with the congressional delegation. The U.S. Marines actually was in touch with her 
as she was escaping. And as a Taliban, they had these metal rods and they were uh, they were like torturing her. And mm -hmm. she got out of um, Afghanistan about five minutes before the airport was bombed. Um, wow. So I, I helped her. Now I'm uh, helping somebody who um, has um, a daughter who lives in Ghana. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and she's trying to get her daughter reunited. And she passed like all the visa things, but she just needs an, uh, uh, um, basically an interview with the US embassy. So I've been working for the past like two months on that. But I've had like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of successes helping immigrants. I've had a lot of uh, successes helping um, um, people um, deal with um, Medicare, Medicaid, um, you know, with with quality of life issues that really have has changed their lives. Would you say that you've over time developed a specific philosophy of governing or community organizing? Well, I consider, yeah, yeah, I feel that to me, government is a service, and I like, I, I feel I really know a lot of the loopholes. So, mm -hmm. um, so I'm able to help people because to me, it's like natural. It's like, you know, if somebody has a problem, I know exactly who to go to. What, I know which offices are good, which are bad. So I'm able to make government um, um, a friend of people. Um, and, you know, and that's really my, you know, my philosophy. I don't, you know, I, over the years, like everybody yells at me. So I probably get the least respect of like any elected official anywhere. Um, and, you know, nobody says, oh, there's a town supervisor. I'm like, Paul to everybody. I'm, you know, I'm somebody that they, you know, if they if they can't get to their um, spouse or their children and they have a problem, they call me and they know that I welcome it. So I welcome people to call me. My cell phones are 438-1343-478-1219. They could call me, you know, some people call me up to midnight. Um, and, you know, I, I always return every phone call myself. I don't have other people dealing with um, the constituent problems. You know, if it snows, we have a snow angels program. We had 30, um, we, you know, we have a bunch of students who are helping people clear snow from their driveways. So these are services that nobody, no other community really provides. Did you ever consider uh, running for other levels of, of government? I think I read somewhere that you haven't so far, but I'd be curious to do. I, I ran uh, for Congress or... twice in, in 1998 ah, okay. and 2000 and the Democratic National, the Democratic State Committee, they gave me um, $200 for my campaign. <laughs> um, Don't spend it all in one place. That's right. Um, so, um, and I remember um, I ran against Ben Gilman and I remember um, um, uh, Dick Gephardt, who was a minority leader of the House of Representatives said to me, if you run for Congress, you have to spend your whole day um, on the phone raising funds, and then you have a press conference to make believe that you're doing something. Um, but, 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 but you know, most members of Congress are spending all their time raising money. Um, I ran against Nick Spano before Andrea Stewart Cousins beat him, and um, I'll never forget when I ran. Um, I was knocking on doors, and this was sort of like similar to the example that I said with the Chicos. Um, uh, somebody said they had an attack dog. They said, I'm giving you five minutes to get out of here. Otherwise, the dog is going to come after you. So I lost wow. that. I lost. I, I lost that race. But, you know, I would, you know, it's very, very expensive to run for office. And, 
you know, I would have loved to, you know, run for a higher office if I could have got, you know, if I felt I could get elected. But the thing that I like about this job is I feel I know everybody, practically everybody, and I mm -hmm. feel comfortable with everybody. And I also feel that, um, you know, I like helping people. And I feel that it's to me when I when I say, oh, you know what, um, I really want to help. It's not to get elected um, because I'll help people who don't even vote. You know, if somebody's homeless and and they have a problem, you know, they could call me and I'll give them the same treatment that I'll give anybody else. In fact, you know, one year um, Hillary Clinton was thinking of moving to uh, Edgemont, uh, to mm -hmm. Arsley Road. And I said to U.S. News and World Report, I said, um, because they interviewed me, I said, if um, if Hillary um, and Bill Clinton moved to uh, Greenberg and there's somebody who's homeless and um, and they have a problem and she has a problem, it's first come, first serve. And she went to Chappaqua. <laughs> Hopefully not because of that comment, but who no, knows? But, but I'll never forget that. But, it, but it's really true because I really, I don't, I treat everybody equally, no matter anyone who has a problem gets yep. the same level of uh, of response. And, you and know, I'll always do that. To, to close things out, what are your hopes for where our community will be 20 years from now? What, what would you like to see happen or evolve? Well, obviously, I'd like the whole town to stay together. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see um, um, more shared services. You know, Greenberg, we did reduce the tax rate by 6% uh, this mm -hmm. year. Um, but, you know, it's still very high because most of the taxes are, you know, a 6% reduction for somebody who lives in the villages is 2% of the entire town portion of the tax. Right. And most of the taxes are paid to the school district. That's like probably 60%. And then the, a lot to the county. So it really doesn't, it's not going to, people could get a hamburger. Uh, 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 but, uh, you know, uh, uh, thanks to the town. But I really, I really feel that we have to run government more efficient, more efficiently. Um, you know, I, I really feel that uh, long term, I'd like to see um, more focus on pedestrian safety issues. I'd like to see um, us use technology better. You know, we started something about a year ago, which I'm proud of. It's called Fix It Greenberg. So you could take your your phone, like over here, and um, and we have an app on the phone. It's called Fix It Greenberg. Um, let me just see over here. I, I don't know if you could say. I don't know if you could say it says fix a green. I can, yes. And you report a concern. Uh, you put your camera over here. You take the photo, and then it go, the GPS will identify the exact location. So if there's a pothole um, or a loose wire or something, you just take mm -hmm. a photo. It goes right to Public Works. They could fix it the next day or the same day. And we started this over a year ago. And I'm really, but you know, there's probably a lot of other tools uh, in terms of technology. Um, that will make government even more efficient. Yeah, that's really exciting. And any final things that you think our listeners should know about or you'd like to share before we the, close the only thing, The only thing I'd want to say is that people should recognize that they're the boss. So no matter who is their elected official at any level, they should not be intimidated. Um, if they feel we're doing something right, they could tell us that they feel we're doing something wrong, they shouldn't be intimidated. And um, and basically, um, you know, 
everyone in office. Nobody begged us to run for office. Um, so we're doing it. Um, we should be doing it because we want to actually help people. So mm -hmm. if people have concerns, whether they're big concerns or small concerns, reach out. Let us know what you really um, what you really think. And you know, again, um, if people have any type of problem dealing with any level of government, they could always uh, you know call me and it's four seven eight one two one nine or that's my home cell or four three eight thirteen forty three is my office cell. If you call the home cell, don't tell my wife that I gave you the phone number. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, because I, I she wants to used to it by now. This is only between you and me. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, she I think she's used to it by now. But you know, the thing is, I really want to treat everybody as if they were, um, you know, the most important person of the in the world when they when they call me with a concern. Right. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on to the program. It was a pleasure. And thank you, with and you. good luck. Thank you. I Thanks. won't see you at the Chico's because they kicked me out, but I'll see you at Stop and Shop <laughs> or, or in Hastings. Thank you again to Paul Feiner for joining us on the Rivertown StoryCorps podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Timothy Reuter. If you like this content, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform to ensure you don't miss an episode and leave a review to help other people find it. If you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please feel free to email us at Rivertown Stories all one word, at gmail.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next conversation.